0: Today on the Righteous Savages podcast, we're going to talk about fatherhood, what is important about godly fatherhood, what is important to counter the culture of anti-fatherhood, and why we should be following Christ as fathers leading our families. So come along and join us. Well, it's been a minute. Just uh, life getting in the way. Yeah, not that we haven't been busy, but <laughs> no, <laughs> you
1: know.
0: So. Yep.
1: Finally back in the yep. new and improved. It probably lo- the studio probably looks the same to everybody else. But yeah,
0: it's a lot of background up- <laughs> upgrades. We upgraded our computer. We upgraded uh, kind of the layout of the studio so we can do some solo stuff. And you guys have probably yeah. seen that stuff popping out on on uh, YouTube and Instagram. And and- thanks
1: to all of our our new sponsors. John Wheaton and Dave Kemp.
0: <laughs> yes, those guys. I mean, they got some deep pockets. Yeah. So, so you know, if anybody <laughs> else wants to be a sponsor, <laughs> you know, buy know. buy our merch. I'm, I just realized I'm not wearing our merch today, you except are gonna, for the hats. Yes. You know, buy our merch, support us. Yep, we're we're uh, shameless plugging for all of that stuff. We also got some trainings coming up, and we hope you guys will hit those up. They're actually on the Tombstone Gun Range website. We got one at the end of February. Hope you guys will jump in. We got a Pistol class, we got some rifle classes coming up, and we're really, really excited to roll out the righteous savages uh, gun training and tactical training stuff. So, and that'll be led by myself and Mr. Dave Kemp, world famous, world famous, yeah. world famous. <laughs> All right, so we get into our main topic here. Um, I think that this is one that's kind of long overdue because we've we've kind of. We've touched on it in a couple of episodes, but we never really you like, hit it right on the head, and that's fatherhood. Both of us being being dads, you of grown children and having grandchildren, and me of kind of well, I'm about a decade behind you, I guess I could say, so, um, but uh, it's, it's an interesting journey. Just a young buck. Just you a know. young buck. We yeah.
1: talk about our faith a lot and what that means to us. We've done some episodes on masculinity and what that means, and it really all drives towards the, the tip of the spear, which is being that good, manly, fatherly role model mm-hmm. to not only just to our kids, you know, our... Our wives as well, and the rest of our family, but it really drives. I think the place where we can probably, if you're honest, make one of the biggest impacts mm-hmm. is with our children because they're the ones who are on deck. You yep. know, your relationship with your spouse is very is very important um, because we want to live healthy, happy lives with our with our wives and husbands. But who's going to come up behind us? It's going to be our kids, and so the the fatherly role for us especially these days in america is is critical and we have got to get this right and i'm here to tell you it just won't happen all by itself you can't just hope that things work out and just rely on the system the school system you know other you know kids that your kids are hanging around with you can't just rely on things just hoping to be okay you've got to take the lead and we're gonna try and talk about some of that tonight.
0: Yep, yep, for sure. I think that really where we where we begin is to base it where the Bible begins. And that is that when God set up the family, he set up a male headship. He set up a, a male-led um, hierarchy, basically. And that's what makes fatherhood so important is because if you don't have good leadership, the whole thing's gonna fail. If you don't have that tip of the spear, actually Penetrating through all of the junk You're actually going to end up falling short and I think that really the most important thing where we are in culture where we are in Even the church is that we are not equipping men and we're not we're not inspiring men to be those godly leaders We're not inspiring men to be those godly fathers to be that example I, uh, one of the guys I follow, and you've probably seen him before, Nick Fritos is his name. Mm. And he talks about how... Nick Fre- Fritos, I call him. Fritos. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nick, if you watch our episode, no offense, I know you're an Army uh, Green Beret or whatever, <laughs> so... so don't kick my butt. Yeah. No. But um, I think that he, he what he said is is really it's very similar to what you said. We're training our replacements, especially when it comes to sons. We are We are training our replacements. And I think as a father... We are supposed to be the example of what a godly man and what a godly leader for our sons, for sure. We're training our sons how to be godly men and godly leaders, and we're teaching our daughters what kind of men to look for in a mate. And I think yeah. that that is that's big, super important. That's big
1: shoes to fill. We're not just saying just because you are a Christian or just because for all of other reasons that somehow that makes you better than somebody else. It doesn't. It's, it's this gotta be worked at it's gotta be one of those things where, and we go back to the the foundation here is i think what nick was talking about in that episode i saw some of that was the nuclear family is important and if you're really truly honest that's the best way to set up a family for success Mm -hmm. is a, a mom and a dad and there being a faith-based culture there and it's not to say that a, a single mom can't be successful in raising kids there's a lot of kids that go through tougher times and come out shining you know like a diamond and they they've made it so it is possible to do that but if we're honest the best way if we're going to set ourselves up for success to have the best family humanly possible and have the best chances for kids to grow up to be successful. It's in that nuclear, that traditional family. It just, it is.
0: Yeah. And the, there's actually a ton of scientific and social science to back that up. They, they've done study after study after study that shows when a child is raised in a nuclear family with a mother and a father, who are actively involved. They are way more successful at life. Now, like you said, there are examples of success. I would think of uh, Ben Carson would be a great example. He was raised by a single mom, one of the most world-renowned brain surgeons ever, and created uh, brain surgery to um, uh, take apart uh, conjoined twins. Mm-hmm. You know, and and did all kinds of amazing things. Ended up running for president. So it's not saying that you can't have success there. It's just we're talking about really what God designed. And what is best for society, what is best for culture, and what is best for children. As fathers, we should be leading and we should be seeing, trying to keep that nuclear family together.
1: Yeah, and it's okay. It's okay to say that that's probably the best way. We don't mm-hmm. have to succumb yep. to the pressure of society to say, well, you know, every every life situation is just as good as any other one. It's not just as nope. good. It's not. And – Everybody knows that's dishonest to say that. So let's just step up to the plate. We need to have standards, and we need to try to whatever the best, the gold standard is for being a, a father, you know, a good spouse. All that. What's the situation to set me up to be as successful as possible? Let's just say that's what it is. It's the nuclear family, and it's okay. It's okay to say
0: that. Yep, absolutely. I think that um, one of the ways that we get caught up in the cultural trap. One of the cultural traps is the way that they judge manhood, the way they judge fatherhood and masculinity overall is, and, and I just, I'm stealing this from uh, Vody Bacham, who's a preacher. I, I watch a lot of his stuff. Great, great guy to listen to. He talks about um, culture judges men by the ball field, the bedroom, and the billfold. Three Bs. And really, when you think about it, you know, you we we put so much honor into people that are great at sports. I know I've been a big fan of sports most of my life. We put so much honor and we think of those as real men or men <laughs> that are, you know, in the bedroom. How do you perform in the bedroom? That kind of thing. That's that's a cultural thing that we put in put on people or the billfold. How much money do you make? How how successful are you? We look at at people who probably are not really good godly examples in culture that have made a lot of money. I mean, Elon Musk would be a great example, or Donald Trump, or or any any of those people that made a lot of money. They may not be the best example or um illustration of what we should be following in in yeah, and culture. it's it's
1: easy to see that quick, like ooh, this guy you know makes a billion dollars a year and and it's. It's easy to look at that on the surface real quick and be like, man, that's success or mm-hmm. that guy's doing really well. But it's funny whenever you hear stories about celebrities or very wealthy people having problems with their families or their kids. People are very quick to realize and, and almost feel like, "Ooh, I, I feel sorry for that guy. You yep. know, he's got all the money, he's got all the resources in the world and they're having all of these issues or his kids don't respect him. And once you realize that the the status, the true status of the fatherhood is or the relationship status between him and his wife, once you realize that's not good, all that other fluff, the money, all that stuff, then it doesn't mean anything anymore. And then eventually people, if they think about it for a while, they put the true stock in how successful your family is. And and so it sometimes takes a minute for that to sink in. And on the, on the surface, I think you're right where that's what people look for. But I think anybody that's honest about it would say, you know what, you know, I really do respect completely the people that have been married for 50 years or their kids grew up to do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. or their kids call their mom every day or the things that are really important. I think ultimately people uh, really put, the stock in that more than anything else yep
0: yep and if you wanted a good example recently of a family that's <laughs> a celebrity family that's kind of in shambles i would think of the smith family will smith jada peekett smith
1: yeah. you look at
0: all of the drama and then just insanity of like the trash of that family being drug out into the headlines and the tabloids it's almost to a point where it's just like hey take us out of the group chat dude <laughs> like we yeah. don't want to be we don't want to be involved in all this stuff but you know, the reality is, is there's a lot of families out there that have a mess. And we should look at the character of the people. And like you said, that longevity, mm-hmm. are they staying together? Do their kids respect them and honor them? Because I think that's a great example of what it means to raise children in the a godly way. Yeah, leading, you can't say enough about leading
1: by example.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if the example is, well, you know what kids, you can have as many girlfriends or boyfriends as you want because me and mommy, that's what we do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's not going to work out for very long. Yeah. And you can think it's going to, and you can think that you can just love as many people as you want, and it's not really love, and just do what everybody you know in Hollywood is doing. And it's not setting an example. You've got to set standards for your kids, rules, boundaries. And it's not because you're a jerk or you're just trying to be mean. It's because you're setting the guardrails and setting them up for success. Because, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20-year-old kids – they're not able to make the best decisions just remember back to your high school days of all the wonderful decisions you've made there's probably not a whole lot on that list nope. and thank goodness hopefully somebody was there to corral you in to be like you know what you got a curfew at a certain time or you can't go hang out with these certain friends and and those things that as a kid you think ah oh, my parents just don't get me they don't understand well they understand So much more than you. I remember telling my kids every once in a while we'd have an issue come up. You know, somebody's, you know, getting in trouble. And one of the things I'd tell them is like, listen, I've I've lived your life. I've done all this stuff. And I'm way ahead in the future of where you are. But it's the same road. We're both traveled the exact same road. We've Mm -hmm. all done the same things, except I'm 20 years ahead of you. And I know what's coming around the next curve. You know, so take that advice, take, you know, the information I'm about to give you because it's, I'm I'm seeing into your future. I mean, kids, it's very hard for them. It's like, no way, my parents don't understand what's going on. Uh, but uh, I tried to portray to them, like, listen, you know, this is for your protection. You're good. Kids don't want to hear that type of stuff. But that's the whole point of having standards, rules, and guidelines is because you love your kids, not mm-hmm. because – you hate them, you want to be a jerk, you want to be controlling. And I know there's a lot of super, super controlling, you know, parents out there, parents that uh, just never take their eyes off of their their kids. So there's an extreme on that way as well. But um, I think if you're reasonable about it, that's, that's part of the job is, is having standards that, and you start by leading by example so that, kids can see it firsthand
0: yep absolutely do you ever i know i do this all the time do you ever look at one of your kids and be like gosh that's me oh Um, my gosh all the time i especially with my 11 year old there's times where i'm just like man that's me at that he he is he's this i'm trying to teach him because it's taken me decades to learn and here's
1: what's really scary my thoughts are usually I did so much more worse stuff than <laughs> I can.
0: Yeah. yeah well, it's, it's, that's it's, the scary part. Like,
1: I wonder if they ever did this thing. I'm like, I don't, maybe, I don't know. I'm sure there's a yeah. ton of stuff.
0: Yep. Uh, I, we
1: don't know about, but
0: I sit there and I, I told my wife the other day, I was like, man, he's, he's, I've got to cure him from trying to be a people pleaser because I grew up just wanting to please everybody. I wanted to be buddies with everybody, not realizing mm-hmm. that that's not really a, it's not really a healthy thing to be, is trying to be a people pleaser, trying to make everybody your buddy. It's and uh, it took me a while to get over that and it's like I, I see all of that, so I'm like hyper focused on it. It's like, hey buddy, don't don't worry about this. We just mm-hmm. had an issue at school a couple of days ago where it's like, Hey buddy, you don't have to please everybody. You don't have to try and fit in. It's fine for you to, to say no or to know and and it's just that that reminder of like, man, i learned so many lessons the hard way. And I learned so many things just by ignoring what my parents who knew what they were talking (laughs) about at the time, the older I get, the more I'm like, man, dad knew what he was talking about. And it's a balance too. Remember there's
1: a scene from the movie Sandlot where Mm. the kid moves to the new town, doesn't know anybody. And has been sitting around the house all day long doing nothing. And his mom is like, listen, go out, Meet some friends, whatever. And yep. she says, get in trouble for crying out You're loud. Right. Like, you know, you know, not too much, though. Yep. Not too much trouble. But, yep. you know, get out there and experience life to some extent. And that's where you learn. That's where you learn from your, your mistakes. Yeah. And so you have to allow your kids to make mistakes. You can't, you know, take your kid's car to the, to the mechanic and say, put a governor on this car so it will only go the speed limit wherever they go. They're not, I mean, I understand where, yeah, you want to protect your kids, but they've got to have some level of free will where they can make their own decisions. Yeah. And once they make good decisions, even though, you know, there's the ability to make wrong ones, that's that's when they start to feel rewarded. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am doing the right thing. I am making yeah. the right decisions. If they have room to
0: make some of those mistakes on their own. Yep, absolutely. So as fathers... I think it's important to kind of set a, set a precedent of like what we should be teaching our kids and what we should be examples of. And and we get that straight from the Bible too. What is the first thing that God says to Adam when he puts him in the garden? You know, subdue the earth, work, labor, you know, and that is, that is something that I think that is lost in culture and the church is teaching men that it's okay to work hard. And we should be examples that, that aren't lazy in front of our kids, that, that show our kids a good example of what it means to be hardworking. Because working is actually something that's biblical. Laboring is something that's biblical. And actually, when you look at the things that are cursed, slothfulness, laziness is actually things that God curses. So as fathers, we should be examples of men who are willing to go out, do the hard work, not take shortcuts and set that example for our sons and our daughters to be you know industrious and studious
1: people i think so we set the example ourselves i would also highly encourage and this might be going to some controversy here right i would highly encourage to encourage your kids to have a job in high school now a lot of parents are like, "Well, I want my kids to get really good grades in high school. So I don't want them having a job. I don't want them to worry about that. I would rather them focus on school." And there's a lot of kids that do that, they turn out great. You're missing an opportunity to start building resilience at an early age in your kids, and it is critical, it is crucial. If you want them to be really successful when they, you know, so no, so they're not going to have a job in high school, they might not have a job in college either because they're just focused on school. And then they get a real job and things are hard. They wake up one day, they feel like crap, and they have zero sick time. Like, are are you going to go to work? Or are you going to call in sick? You know, I I work with so many people now that they've been working at a job for 15 years. They have zero hours of sick time. Mm. None. You know, I retired with 1,200 hours of sick time. After working a job for twenty five years, some would call that a lot. It's a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit. If and I was so glad, you know. So a little backstory about me: I've got three sons. They're all grown now. Um, my oldest son is twenty eight. My middle son is 20, Just turned twenty seven today. Happy birthday, Shane! Groundhog Day easy to remember that that <laughs> birthday and yeah, my youngest son, lives in
0: my neighborhood by the yeah, way <laughs> yeah right on the court he saw you today i think yeah yep yeah. <laughs>
1: the youngest son Aaron, he's 21 and all of them have started working at a you know, they weren't working you know in sixth grade or anything but uh pretty much in high school they were all working I, a couple of my kids were helping my father-in-law with doing roofing you want to talk about a hard job how about get up at five in the morning get your lunch ready put it in a lunch box and go tear off roofs for in, you know for six, seven hours in, in, 100 in the hundred degree weather in the summer. That's a hard job yep. for a junior in high school. Yep. You know, it's you know it's a hard job if you have a job as a waiter in a restaurant. Public service. You wanna start building some resilience, be a waiter for a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, and those things are good. Anytime we look back at things we did that were difficult and we made it through it, we're all proud of it. Whether it's like you, your service in the military was boot camp and just all of the military life. It's not easy and you make it through that and you're a better person for it. So I would highly encourage parents to think seriously about having their kids work some type of job. It doesn't mean they got to work 40 hours a week, but have something that they're responsible for that they can work hard at and be proud of at the end of the day. And it's just going to help them in college. It's going to help them in real life. And those are some things I think we need to try to push our kids to do, encourage them to have a job. There's a lot of kids, you know, my wife, you know, her family owned a little restaurant in Carterville for years. And my wife would get up at five in in high school, 5 a.m., go to the restaurant. Help her mom and dad get, you know, restaurant stuff going and then go to school. Yep. You know, like those things make you a better person. So don't discourage your kids from doing some work in high school.
0: Yep. One of the, I started working, you know, backstory for me. I, I, I started working when I was 15 years old. I started detailing cars in the middle of the summer out and work, started working with my youth pastor at the time. And uh, hot summers, working out, washing cars inside and out. It was hard work. And then I got a job working for my dad. Worked up until I basically got out of high school and got a job. And I haven't stopped working since then, you know. And I would say probably the hardest was when I was going to college. I was still drawing my Air Force benefits. So I really didn't even have to go to school because of getting the GI Bill and all that stuff while going to college. But I was actually working unload at UPS at four in the morning, every morning. Mm-hmm. And then I'd work in the tire shop at Sam's after school. And, and, and so two manual, very heavy manual labor and hot and cold and all of that stuff. And honestly, I was crazy busy and dating my wife at the time. And that was probably where I felt, I, I felt all the time, very fulfilled because I was just, I was on the go, but I was doing stuff that I felt it's just something good about having your hands dirty, about getting your hands dirty, about doing stuff manually. To um, that just makes you feel yeah, more the, fulfilled.
1: Sense of accomplishment. I'm I'm wired that way. Yep. I'm
0: wired to do projects.
1: I'm wired to start something and build it and and finish it and then stand back and be like, man, that I I like accomplishing. Yep. That I remember having a job in high school one summer, middle. Late summer, Southern Illinois, hot, and we were stacking straw bales in a oh, barn for yes. a local farmer guy. Tim Smith was one of my buddy's uh, brother-in-laws, and like, hey, we'll pay you. This is the mid '80s, we'll pay you five dollars an hour. I thought five bucks an hour—that's you know, minimum wage was like two seventy-five yep. or something. I'm like, heck yeah, f- sign me up. No clue what I was getting into. Just like, oh, we'll just go stack some stuff. Oh, well, come into this barn where it was 98 outside. In here, it's about 108, and we're stacking, you know, straw bales, you know, 20 hide. And we were in there all day long. And I remember we made like 25 bucks or something. <laughs> and me and my buddy, we drove straight to Hardy's. We were just covered, just dust. We looked like we were working at a tire factory or something. <laughs> and we go slinging into Hardy's and Carbondale. And I ordered like two you know, giant, you know, double quarter pounder style cheese. I was, you know, it wore me out. But it was one of those things, like, later on, like, you're proud of the fact. And you're telling your buddies, yep. like, you won't believe, you know, the hard thing we did. Like, And and it was one thing you could kind of put your shoulders back yep. and hold your chin up and be like, you were proud to have done
0: that hard work. Yep, absolutely. I remember bailing hay for my uh, – or doing straw bales for my uncle. And that's one of those jobs where you're like – I'll show up in short the a t-shirt, and you'll do that once. And then the next time, you'll be wearing the longest jeans you can, the longest sleeve shirts, because you'll get scratched from from uh, from hand to hand can on you your imagine, Can you imagine what the
1: farmers were thinking when we showed up to do jobs? Like they must have just been just laughing like, out loud. Like <laughs> yeah. look at these idiot yeah. high school kids. Like this is if they would have had video cameras, then we'd have been all over the internet. Yeah, like, look that- at these. Goofballs.
0: Yep. I think that, um, you know, that's the first thing that we should teach our kids. The other one is, is, you know, teaching our sons how to love because that's a really important thing. I think that it's something that doesn't always come naturally for men. Definitely comes naturally for women, but, but being, having that ability to love, to be the, you know, the warrior and the poet to borrow Mr. Mm -hmm. Lovell's um, moniker, but uh, to teach our sons what it means to be loving for our wives, what it means to be honoring to our wives and honoring to their mother. And I think that that is something that's also important. It's also important for a father to teach his daughter, his daughters, how, how, what love should look like. That it's not all about the physical, but it is about the honor and the respect and the, you know, being there for the person emotionally and not just getting what you want. So I yeah. think that that's very, very And
1: that's important. a 100% leading by example type yep. of thing. Your kids are going to watch how you talk to your wife. They're going to listen and, you know, what's your tone of voice? What are the things you say to her? How do you, you know, and they'll be around, you know, if you have kids around your house long enough, they're going to see you and your wife not agree on mm-hmm. things. And they're going to watch how you how you handle that. And they're watching very closely and they're soaking that stuff in every day, every day for years and years and years. So it's not like you have to have a, you know, a sit down discussion with your kids every night. You, just, you lead by example. They're learning by watching, watching you. So that's the number one thing for teaching your kids how to love. But then directly when it comes with your kids, being involved um, with them, uh, telling them that, that you love them. Uh, you know, hugging them as much as possible, uh, saying you love them when you're getting off the phone, and 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 those type of things, and just being aware, being present, being interested. Yeah, you know, kids when they come home, like, hey, mom and dad, look at this thing, this paper I got. Like, get interested, and be proud of them, and say that you're proud and kids are just they're sponges they need that attention they need eye contact they need physical touch they need hugs and pats on the back and as a parent as a father you should want to do those things Mm -hmm. I mean you're that's there's nothing on the planet you love more than your kids and you can't you know you need to really honestly evaluate am I taking my kids for granted is it just they're always around and you know we'll do the lovey-dovey stuff you know, on their birthday or at Christmas or, you know, it shouldn't just be once or twice a year. And just ask the parents that have lost a kid in a car wreck or to some health, you know, to some horrible thing. Ask them if they could rewind their lives and start all over. You know, hey, ma'am, you know, would you do anything different in your relationship with your kids if you had a second chance? As a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. they Everybody says, you know, don't miss the opportunity, you know, to – Say you love your kids, or to go to this thing, or go to their ball game. Um, you know, when it comes to you know sports, and you know you need to be there. You need to be if your kid's gonna be playing sports a lot, then you should probably be there to support them. <laughs> um, I, you know, back in our day of you know playing little league baseball in the seventies and eighties, it was we were all like on our own. <laughs> I can remember, I can remember in second grade, so I was seven years old being on one of my first, well, actually we started a little league earlier than that, but I can remember being seven and getting on a bicycle and peddling two miles to the school, yeah. you know, to go play a base. No, there wasn't parents taking us to every game. They weren't sitting in the, in the, in the bleachers, you know, cheering on every game. Yep. I mean, they were there every once in a while, but there was no drop off lines at school. There weren't wasn't parents, you know, there was, we spent all of our time, you know, alone and you know, doing a lot of that stuff. And, you, and it's like, you know, so you need some support, but you don't need too much. You know, and the whole sports thing with, with kids and and, and and parents these days is probably a whole other topic <laughs> yes, for yeah. for discussion.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's definitely what a different time. I, I mean, I, I grew up in the mid to late 80s and it was the same thing, man. I rode my bike all over town. I can't even. First of all, my wife would not allow our kids to be out off of our street nowadays, and and I mean it's probably for good reason. I think the world has gotten a little bit crazier, and uh, but I tell you what, it's it's crazy to think about the time when you just ride your bike all day and you show up for mealtimes. times. <laughs> and that yeah. was about it, and your parents just like be home by dark. You know yeah. that was that was my life, and uh, but I do think that it's important for for parents. It's like my my oldest son Logan. He's he's in. He's on three basketball teams, a travel team and then a couple of local teams. But, you know, it's a lot right now. We yeah, I think he's got like four games this weekend, you know, so yeah. it's trying to get to those. And, and but I always try and make sure that I make the majority of them. You know, I may miss one here or there, but it's it's important for him to see me there, yep. get having his back and, you know, teaching him. And one thing I think that that's important for fathers is to be honest with their children. I, I see so many people sugarcoating things that don't really need to be sugarcoated with their children. And kids kind of know a lot of this stuff, but you can you can give a kid a false sense of arrogance or accomplishment when it's not there. I think there is a balance between that. I don't think that you should be super hard on them and tell them, oh, no, you suck. But I also don't think that you'd be like, oh, you're a great singer and you can't carry a tune in the bucket. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's one of those things. I think that kids understand... And they appreciate when you're honest yeah. with them. If
1: you want to take a deep, a deep dive into parenting, um, try being a coach for any, for your own kids, some other kids. Try to do some coaching in your life. And I, so I had three boys growing up. They all played Little League Baseball, and I coached all of their Little League Baseball teams. So I've done probably you know 12 years of Little League Baseball coaching. And, man, I'll tell you what, that was an eye-opener. Not so much the kids. I mean, the kids are going to have, f- have fun, and they're out there having a good time. But the parents, good grief. You know, talk about, you were just mentioning about some of the parents being extra hard. I can remember specifically, and this it wasn't just one. This happened a lot. You'd always have one parent that was always on their kids, like, come on, you know, you know. Do better. Like, of course your kid like what kind of advice, your kids up to bat, what can a parent possibly tell their kid to do better? are yeah. you're not gonna motivate them while they're staring down the a pitcher. Just support them. You don't have yep. to say anything. You know, Mike Matheny wrote a big letter once when before he was coaching the Cardinals. He was and after he had retired, he was coaching his kids' little league baseball team and he wrote a letter to all the parents essentially saying you need to sit there in the stands and shut up. And let us coach these kids. Don't, you know, say, come on, Bobby. You know, like all that stuff is a distraction. You know, let us do our thing. You're not going to convince your kids to do any better. I had one parent one year who was always, anytime his kid missed the ball or made a bad throw, he's like, come on, you know. You know, and you know, I'll keep saying the phrase do better. That's essentially what their parents (laughs) are screaming at their kids. Like, come on, you know, catch the ball. Of course. Of course your kid is trying to catch the ball. You don't have to scream, catch the ball, after he, like, he missed it. So this one parent, I said, hey, we're kind of shorthanded. I need you to come out here and help us. I said, you know, the kids are up to bat, so they're practicing hitting and running the bases. So you just play, here's a glove, play first base. And I started hitting balls to this dude until it was no end. And he looked like an idiot because He sucked so bad at baseball. And after it didn't, it only took about five minutes for him to understand how this wasn't easy. Yeah. Like he's a grown man at this point. he's probably 35 years old and he's yelling at his 10 year old to catch the ball. Well, you can't catch the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so get over here and sit down, Yeah, you know, come on. So parents, you know, it's tough. And I've seen that in kids where they get, are so scared to death. They get up to bat and they look at the picture, and the next thing I do is they look at their parents in the stands because yeah. they're waiting for the ridicule. They know if I miss this ball that's coming in for me to hit, my parents are going to scream. I'll be scared to death. Yeah. That's a horrible way for your kids oh, to yeah. live. Don't be that parent. Don't be the parent that's putting so much pressure on your kid to perform to be, you know, you know Albert Pujols out there. He's ten. Yeah. Just let him go play. Yep. Let him have fun with his buddies. Let him run around, and get dirty, jump like. You know, you don't you're you're not accomplishing anything by trying to coach from the stands. That's why there's coaches. Let them do their job and just support them. When your kid's done, say, hey, we're going Dairy Queen. You know, we're going out to eat, and that's <laughs> what your kids are, are wanting. They're just wanting that support. They're not wanting, you know, the, all the pressure that you put on them that that parents put on kids today to to perform to some crazy crazy level.
0: Yeah. And I think that one of the things, there's such a there's such an importance and emphasis, and it's like I said earlier, the three Bs, the, the ball field, the bedroom, the billfold. You, we put such an emphasis on it. We want our kids to be, you know, and sometimes I think we want them to be successful. And sometimes I think with some parents, it's I want them to be successful because I wasn't, you know, especially with sports, you know. And I think that that comes out in that. And full disclosure, I tend to be the guy that leans a little bit harder on my son, you know, to push him to be a little bit better, but it's, it's always this, you know, there's a, there's a balancing act with that. And, and it's a, it's a, me and my wife have had conversations about, Hey, let's just let him have fun. You know? And a lot of times when I, I'll push him in it when we're training, when we're practicing mm-hmm. and all that stuff, the game comes, I'm like, son, just have fun. Yeah. Yep, absolutely, and you know what? There's
1: a time, there's a time and place when it's time to get more serious. You know, high school, high school is definitely a time where all of a sudden, you know, now the little kid stuff is over. Yep, and we're starting to get you know more serious. You can't, you know, if you're going to play high school basketball. There, there's not any more time to – let's just let everybody on the team. You need the best players in your yep. school on the team. Yep. Same way with football. This isn't flag football anymore. There's, there's you know, <clears throat> big high school kids with full beards, you know, getting ready <laughs> yeah. to try to murder you yep. on the football field. We can't just let the little bitty kid, that you know, out there to do those things. So there's a time when – there's a time to, to get serious. And I'd say that pretty much – anything pre high school feel free let your kids have fun let them enjoy you know if they want to you know and and let your kids kind of gauge you know how serious they need to be if they really voice an interest in it that's great i'd also say though don't let your kids run your life either as parents you're the ones making the decision on what your family's going to do for the weekend you know and if everybody wants to to Play basketball, awesome. That's what everybody wants to do. Uh, but there's a lot of, of parents that feel the pressure of the of the community of whatever sport they're playing, <laughs> soccer or, or whatever, uh, where it's like, oh, we've got you know, we've got to go play this tournament, you know, in North Dakota. Uh, your kid's four, right? <laughs> now, do we really got to go to the to the tournament? Like, uh, I don't know. At, at some point, you know. You know, it's you just be reasonable about it. Uh, some families like that's just that's their thing. Everybody, the whole family loves mm-hmm. it. If you know, if the if the crazy dad is dragging everybody against their will to go, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. So, uh, but ultimately, <clears throat> the parents need to to lead that. Whatever direction you want to go, it's because the parents have decided to do it, not because the kid says, you know. Oh, I'm making all the decisions for the family. It shouldn't be the, the four year old saying, Hey, mom and dad, you're paying for me to get into this soccer tournament 5,000 miles from here. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, you know, when you're 10 or 12 or whatever, that's, you know, something different. Uh, but we got to be careful about who's, you know, leading the family and who's in, really in charge of the family.
0: Yes. Yes. I think that one of the things that is missing a lot in culture is we do allow. The kids to kind of drive the bus and that is something that I see more and more and more it's like every parent thinks that every one of their kids should be in nine different extracurricular activities until the point where it's like we're not even at home and yeah. it's just that is that is dangerous for your family but it's also teaching your kids a really really unhealthy thing because one of the things that that over the last especially a couple years I've tried to emphasize is that my wife's first. There is a pecking order. And for me, my wife is number one. That's the woman I have to spend the rest of my life with. That's the one that's relationship yeah. is so important. And we're kind of getting into the marriage thing, but that is, I think that's something you need to establish for your kids. Your kids need to know, Hey, she's the queen. Yeah, She is ruling the same as me. And I back her up and she backs me up and you guys you're secondary and that's okay. And you need to learn to be that secondary because someday you're going to have to be the lead and you're going to have to do that with your kids. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So one of the things in culture, I think that we are, and we've, I talked about this briefly in one of our, or one of our early episodes of the red pill culture or manosphere that they talk about. It's something that's growing. And I think both of us would kind of classify ourselves as kind of conservative Christian men, you know, kind of more traditional in that, in our, in our outlooks of the world. And a lot of what's going on with this is where there's a, there's a movement on the right. I wouldn't even call it Christian. Some people profess Christianity and, um, but it's all about what's going wrong that women have too much control, that feminism has destroyed the ability for men to find a good woman. And so because of that, And I think that there is a little bit of truth in the diagnosis that culture has caused this shift in where we put so much emphasis on the equality or egalitarianism or whatever we we want to call it, that we're missing what God's design is. And as a result, the power, the power has shifted and we're seeing a lot of guys that are not, they're not able to find a good mate. And as a result, The diagnosis may be correct, but the solution is wrong in that just be selfish. Go out and sleep with all these women. Make as much money as you can. Don't settle down. Don't do any of this stuff because that's not important. But one of the things that is, is missing in that is that God designed us. He didn't design us to be alone. He didn't design us to be just a bunch of solo men going out and conquering the world without the aspect of having a wife or a mate, because I think that where men are successful and where men are geared is to be domineering, is to be aggressive, is to be uh, ambitious. And what women do is they calm that ambition. They, they soften us out to where we don't become these tyrants, you know, in whatever field we're in, we, we can, we, men have a, have a, a propensity to become tyrants. And I think that Really what we need is to find that mate that we can have a family with, that we can share a life with. And the only way we find that is by seeking it in the right places. So looking in your church, looking in the right places, because there are still good women out there, as opposed to what what is being sold in this movement. And I think that one of the things that... I am sorry, I've got this thing in my throat. throat) One of the things that uh, we need to come back to is the fact that God designed us to find a mate to have a life together. He designed, He He created Adam, but then He realized that Adam didn't need to be alone, yeah. and so He gave him Eve. And if you want to
1: have a hard time, you know, <clears throat> being a father and leading by example, try it with a spouse that you don't really don't get along with mm-hmm. very well that it's gonna be a hundred times more difficult. So the the whole fatherhood thing starts with the marriage first. It has that's where yep. obviously it's gonna start. So that's gotta be rock solid. That has you know the foundation there has to be unbreakable. And if it's and and we build that foundation on you know on the Bible. And you find that's what the the culture, that's where we should derive the right culture from, is from scripture. And society today most people just derive their culture of the relationship just from the world what they see on tv and oh i should just you know if i'm looking for a wife i just need to find the best looking wife that's all i need to worry about and all and and all my friends will like me and i'll have this trophy and that's the only thing that's important <clears throat> well you'll find out real quick <clears throat> that you know that doesn't cover a whole lot of stuff no you could have the best looking wife on the planet and if she's mean to you and doesn't respect you you're not going to put up with that you don't it won't matter what this person looks like at all promise so it needs to be built on scripture and i mean good grief i hear you know a lot of guys like i just don't know where to meet somebody you know i go to bars and i get on <laughs> dating apps and Problem sometimes one. <laughs> i've heard wild stories i've got friends who met their spouses just hey at a bar just random and they've yep. been married a long time so those things i know those things can work but i've also heard for every one of those, I hear ten disasters yep. of of how those things didn't didn't <clears> work out, and so why not well, you know why be afraid to go find you know hey you know i 'm going to church you 're a single person that's that's a, the first person that should be your first option yep. of of where to find somebody and then if you 're on a dating app, you could be doing other things too, but i mean i mean that 's the treasure trove of a good starter for your new family is somebody that has some good good values that you believe the same way. I'm surprised at how many people in the world meet. And it's like, well, what do you believe in? Well, you know, well, I'm, you know, Jewish. Well, okay, I'm Catholic. Like, okay, this, I don't know if this is going to work out or not. And people... F- realize that after they've been married you know i mean if you know in that situation you'd have to figure it out before you got married (laughs) (laughs) for sure but you know i mean the foundation of your relationship should be your faith what you believe in and both of you have got to believe the same thing and if you got that set then the the parenting and the fatherhood is gonna be a much easier go not that it's super easy and if for all you families out there to have like One-year-old, two-year-old kids, and you think things are tough right now, wait till your kids get in high school. (laughs) And they got drama with their friends and drama with boyfriends. And you got to tell them, you know, they can't go out with their friends. They got homework to do. I mean, things are going to explode exponentially when your kids hit that high school time frame with problems like, oh, my gosh. The cops just called and said my son or daughter just got caught drinking. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's worse than a kid screaming for five minutes because they won't eat their green beans when they're two. <laughs> I promise you, it's gonna be you know it's gonna be more stressful. It's gonna be more worrisome. It's midnight on a Saturday. I wonder how come my kids aren't home yet. And I hear sirens in town. Like
0: you know, there's a lot, a lot yep. to a lot to
1: worry about as your kids as your kids get older. But hopefully uh, we've got a good foundation uh, and faith to help us lead
0: us through. Yep. Yep. And if you are (laughs) a little side note, if you are using dating app, make sure, make sure you meet the person. You don't want any Manti Teo type situations. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of the Manti Teo, the ultimate catfishing. We watched that documentary a couple of months ago, but that was just, it's mind blowing that there are people out there that will take advantage of people on these dating apps and concoct some crazy stories. But um,
1: One of the worst dating app stories I heard was from a guy that I knew from around here. Met a girl online. She was from another country. He flew her here. Who knows how much that cost? Once she got here, she asked him for a ride to go visit another American friend that she had met. And he drove her there. And she got out of the car and went into this person's house and shut the door. And that was the last time he ever saw this person. So, wow. Just a word of caution out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh if you That's met somebody right. from another country that needs a plane ticket here, you might want to do some vetting.
0: I had an Air Force buddy once bring a stripper back with him from training and um and he married her and adopted her kid and then she left him. <laughs> and he paid child support for. her. So, there are some pretty Oosh. bad stories out there. <laughs> Maybe don't date strippers. I thought
1: my story was bad. I think you one up me.
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh me. that's that's some craziness, but uh yeah, I think that <clears throat> one of the things as as we start to as we try and round this out, it's you know, we we need men to stand up and lead their their families, their homes. Because I said earlier that men have a propensity to become tyrants. If they are not harnessed, if we're not taught to harness the monster, one of the most famous clips from Jordan Peterson was let your boys be monsters and then teach them how to control it. And I saw, I saw some clips the other day of, of of what the, what the uh, advantages of wrestling with your boys are. You know, you teach them that natural aggression, you teach them resilience, you teach them all of this stuff. You teach them boundaries. But um, I think there's a lot of people that are not willing to take the training wheels off of their kids and let them explore. We already we talked about that earlier is like, let them explore, let them go get get in a little bit of trouble and understand, you know, that that's a part of life. And I think as a part of our, how we should be as godly fathers is we should be guiding our sons to, to allow their natural masculine tendencies to come out, but then teach them the lessons of what it means to control it. What it means to actually become a man that you're not just this wild beast that's out there trying to conquer everything. Yeah. But you are a you are a godly man that has the ability to do some bad stuff if the time ever comes. I think that being a dangerous man is an important thing. But I think that you have to understand when is the time to unleash the beast and when is the time to keep it in its cage. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> when it
1: comes to, to kids and letting them get into a little bit of trouble, one of the main points of that whole scenario is your kids get to see how you respond to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I remember as a kid, me and a buddy of mine, uh, where we lived right next to the high school in Carterville when I was growing up, and me and a buddy of mine were messing around one day and we decided we're going to break a window out of the gym of the high school. Like we just took a little rock and, you know, it was just the, the red blooded male. We're going to break a window. So, you know, I threw a couple rocks, he threw a couple, it was just a small window and we hightailed it out of there. And, and uh, somehow of course my dad finds out about it. And of course my dad, you know, pulled the old, you know, <coughs> sigh up on, sigh up on me. And he's like, so he said, did did your buddy? Did he throw the first rock, or did you didn't ask me if I broke the window? He just said, "Did he throw the first rock, or did you?" <laughs> <laughs> of course, I ran it out my bus. I know he did. You know, yep. but, me, I was
0: just standing there with my halo on. You know, so
1: I got in trouble. Had to pay for the window. Yep. My dad didn't. You know, beat me. He didn't. You know, go absolutely nuts. But it was like, you know, I could tell he was disappointed. That's. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. That's a real yeah. thing. Yep. You don't want your parents to be disappointed in you and there's repercussions. Had to pay for that like so, you know, you see the response. Your kids get to see what type of response there is, where the guardrails are. They get to see if if the punishment is coming from a legit place of love for your kids or if it's just anger and those things are critical, man. They are very important for your kids to understand how you're going to respond. You know, are there standards? Are there rules? You know, we live in a society today where there's not very many rules anymore, or make your own rules. Yeah, people can literally just do whatever you want. You want to beat up some cops in New York City? All right, Ugh. cool. Well, we'll let you go for zero dollars and never see you again. Or you see clips of of kids in school. Like I've seen so many clips of grade school kids uh, getting up in their teachers' faces and yelling and screaming at them and spitting on them because they know there's no consequences. We cannot live in a society like that. Like, well, we can't touch the kids or we can't says who like we just make up these dumb rules on our own and we've let lawsuits and litigation and all this stuff just scare everybody to death to where we can't do anything and now it's worse you know getting sued 10 times a day that's not as bad as the end result we have yep it's not and it's because we've decided no 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 standards anymore kids you know can do anything they want to do in school they can do anything they want to do to teachers and there's nothing teachers can do about it zero that's a bad that's a bad place for society to be you're going to see kids lash out we see it in law enforcement we see kids that know they're not going to get in trouble do the same thing over and over and over again especially juveniles they know there's not a whole lot we can do to them so they're even more motivated to go out and shoot up their buddy's house or their enemy's house, like so what? You, if I probably won't get caught, and if I do, I'll be back home tonight, and nothing's really going to happen. And so the the result of not having consequences and not having standards is we're sliding downhill in a in a hurry. And it's I've talked about this before. I don't know if we're coming back from this. So I hope, pray, pray that we are. Pray that we have this awakening and this uprising. of of men and and families that want to set the standard again. And that turns things around. Uh,
0: We'll see. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think one of the things my wife, who is a school teacher, and that's, that's definitely, I could not be a school teacher. The story she tells me, I'm just like, nope. It lasts about two hours before I swing the kids head in the locker for being disrespectful, and it's just like wow. I, and, I, and high school on top of that, so it's it's you know these kids yeah. are peak, know how to get get away with everything. But I think yeah. that one of the things that's that's really really hard to deal with is the fact that you know we see this happening in society, we see all of this this stuff going on, and it's. It's like you see a freight train coming down and you're on the tracks and you're like, how do I get off of it? But you're, you're stuck to the tracks. And, but I do think that there is, there is signs of life and and to kind of talk about some things positive that my wife has shared with me here recently. She said that she does this thing where she takes a survey of her students of things that they want to improve over the school year. And she said that the vast majority of them were saying, I want to get closer to God. And that's, that's something it's that's awesome. like, man, that is that is a little glimmer of hope in what we see a lot of hopelessness in mm-hmm. our world. And I think that to a certain extent when you see despair and you see pain all over the place, mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, you know what, there is an answer. And I think a lot of people yeah. know that the answer and is I God. Think,
1: And I think that's what we keep talking about is I think a lot of people feel that way and there's so much pressure to not say it. Mm-hmm. And it's just been pressed down for so long and now I th- I'm hoping and praying that you know what people aren't afraid or they're getting more bold with that I, you know even back you know I remember going back back to my high school days here again every year when the yearbook came out there was always like questions like what's your what was your favorite movie or you know your favorite you know car or whatever and there was always a question your favorite book and every year all the high school students always put the Bible yeah And I thought that was kind of shocking to me. Like, really? Like, all these high school kids say their favorite book is the Bible. But looking back, and I'm like, well, that's probably, you know, is the majority. That probably is how most people feel. But there's all this pressure. Oh, you can't say that. You'll be, you know, wussy or a nerd or something Mm -hmm. if you say something like that. But I think, you know, hopefully we're starting to see people that aren't afraid to to say what they believe in. And the next thing you know, the next person raises their hand. Yeah, I believe the same way. And hopefully – You know, we can start to have this uprising and people join together and and everybody voices their opinions and believes like, you know what? We're going to stand up for what we believe in. We're going to stand up for what's right. We're going to have rules and standards of life. And we're going to demand that. We're not just, you know, just going to sit back anymore. And hopefully we'll see that uh, big tsunami start to
0: build. Yep. Act like you believe. Absolutely. There's, there's something. So, somebody said that somewhere. I we mean, should have write that down. Yeah, we should. <laughs> uh, and I think I want to kind of end it with this this concept of discipleship. Because as, as fathers with children, we are discipling our children. We're teaching them. We're training them. And going back to kind of where I started with Bodhi Bacham in that same sermon he talked about the instant his son turned 13 he was in complete control of teaching him how to become a man said I was discipling him. He went on the road with me. He was with me everywhere watching my every move. I was teaching him all of the valuable lessons and the reality is some of us may not be able to do that but I do think that there is an important nugget of truth there that we should be especially in those formative years I think that the roles of parents are important a mother is so important to an infant and a toddler And a child that's very young because she nurtures and she teaches them, you know, what love feels like and how to, you know, how to be comforted and all of this stuff. And I think once children get into their teenagers, especially boys, that's when they need dad. They need dad. Okay, dad, I don't know. I don't know what's coming down the road. This next five, six years, a lot of changes are going to happen with me and my body and in my mind and everything and I need you to teach me and blaze the trail. Come alongside me and disciple me and show me. That is something that I think is sorely lacking, and we need men to stand up and do those things and take their kids under their wings and teach them how to be men and women of God. Yeah, one of the things I did with, you know, I I look back on, on raising my three
1: boys, and one of the things I regret is I wish, and they all turned out awesome, but I wish I would have spent more time with them developing in more detail skills you know we would go out and you know on a gun range for cry out loud so we go shooting every once in a while or we would but i would i never really brought them into the fold of like firearms as self-defense like i didn't On one hand, I felt like, well, I don't want to be the dad that forces my kids into the hobby that I love just because, well, that's my thing. I'm going to teach them how to do that. But when it comes to things like self defense and being proficient with a gun, and you know, being able to camp and all those things that, you know, there there should be a list. There should be a task list of some things you, at the very least. You go over with your kids. It doesn't mean you got to take your kid three times a week to the gun range for 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 four years, but there should be some some things that you have some talks about. Like, hey, we're gonna go camping and we're gonna put up a tent and you're gonna learn how to do this. You're gonna Mm -hmm. learn how to make a campfire. You're gonna gonna (laughs) learn how to cook some stuff. We're gonna learn how to shoot a gun. We're gonna learn how to you know change the spark plugs in your car and change your oil. We're gonna learn to do these things. One of the coolest things I did with my youngest son, Aaron. Uh, before he went off to college, is you know he had a, a like a 2000 Ford Ranger, his very first vehicle that he bought with his own money, and a radiator went out on it. it, was leaking all over the place, and we're sitting there looking at it one day. I'm not a mechanic by any means, but I thought to myself, self, it cannot, honest to God, be that hard to change a radiator in a Ford Ranger, so get on youtube hey let's look it up let's order the, the radiator we got it and we together change the radiator in this truck like this is awesome yeah this is cool it's, it's teaching kids like listen we, here's a problem let's you know how are we going to fix this have you ever changed a radiator nope i haven't either so how do we figure this out well let's you know look do some research figure out what we need to do Buy some. and worst case scenario, we tear it up. And we got to have it towed and have a mechanic fix it. Yeah, which is what most people do anyway. So let's. Yeah. So what? Let's give it a shot. So you know, doing those things with your kids is 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 critical and it's enjoyable. It's fun. You're making memories with your kids. You know, I'm out there taking pictures of my son working. on I'm like, this is cool. Yep. These are things that you're not ever gonna forget either. So you're, you know, building those memories. And, and building that, that bond. And that's, you know, how we lead as
0: fathers. Yep. Yep. And and that's, that's some of my fondest memories of my, my late father. When we, when I would be faced with something that I couldn't necessarily handle on my own. Hey dad, this broke. I don't know what to do. And I mean, my dad was literally one of those guys. If you called him and you said you needed help, it was like 15 minutes and he was showing up with his tool belt on, you know, and we were figuring the problem out. And that's something that I think is so important to be there for your kids to give them that rite of passage, because that's really what that is. All of these little details, all of these little lessons that you learn either together or you teach their rites of passage to manhood, to womanhood that only a father can give their kids. Mothers can to a certain extent help with that, but they're not really equipped for it. It takes a dad to be engaged to do those things and to give those their children the rites of passage yeah. to becoming There's
1: So many teachable moments, you know. My my first two, my oldest kids, you know, I was kind of like leading by example, and you know, they'd they'd watch me, you know, doing things around the house or working on cars or that type of thing. And when my youngest son, so uh, when he started high school, my uh, oldest kids were out of high school, so it was just you know us and Aaron. And I thought well, I got four years of high school with him. And I thought, anytime there's any issue that, you know, the house repair that needs to be done, plumbing or mechanical, anything that I'm gonna work on, I'm calling him to where I'm at. And like, I want you to watch what I'm doing. I want you to watch how we work through this this process of figuring something out, how to fix things. And it could be something as minor as, you know, spray painting a sign in the yard. Like, okay. You need to teach your kids how to use a spray paint can. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to teach your kids how to paint stuff. You know, and the little things that is sometimes we take for granted, because nobody taught me how to build a deck or to wire a house or to put, you know, whatever. It just, I, I was kind of a visual learner and I paid attention to a lot of stuff and I did research on my own. I kind of figured things out on, on my own. Uh, but a lot of kids are busy these days mm-hmm. and there's not a whole lot of opportunities. So as a parent, as a dad, anytime you find yourself working on a project, putting together a desk, fixing a thing, working on something and your kids upstairs watching TV, like hey man, come on down here. We got something something to do. Yeah. And you're not just you don't want to do that to just make them do it. It's a teaching moment and it's yeah. a bonding moment. And there's 10 of those every single day yep. that happen. There's so many things to talk about you know just from it could be washing the windshield of your car at the gas station there's a way to do that really well there's a way there's a, a way to suck at doing that <laughs> feel, and some kids pay attention and can just see somebody do it and got it figured out other times you got to teach like here's how this works you know so don't miss those opportunities to one-on-one
0: teach your kids yep yep What is it? You get like 950, 960 weekends with your kids until they're 18. Yeah. Now 900, that sounds like a big number. It's really not. Yeah. I'm already over halfway through it, man, with my oldest. And so don't squander those moments. And I
1: think one of the things I squandered with my kids were the moments to get more into the Bible on the mm. faith side. You know, we went to church You know, I just as for years as a parent, I just assumed that, well, all that stuff will soak in. And I'm not really a Bible expert and I'm not really good at teaching the Bible. And, and so I didn't really feel comfortable uh, in that space very much. Uh, but now looking back, I wish I would have just made myself like, well, how, well, how come you're not comfortable? Because you're not any good at it. Why not? Because you haven't spent any time at it. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know what? Maybe I need to do – I need to get into this. I need to get into some devotionals. I need to share this information, you know, with my kids, just simple stuff. Like, like, why do I even believe, believe the Bible is real? That might be a good place to start Yeah. because your kids are going to get it in high school. Like, oh, you're a Jesus freak. You believe all this fairy tales of – they need to know. Like, are these kids right? You know, or – do I really know the truth about the word and, and kind of, and so, you know, the uh, aside from working on cars and doing all those things, that's probably where we need to start Oh yeah, is with that. That should be the most important thing. Cause you don't want your kids to fall away from the faith. Once they get into high school or go away to college, I'm like, well, my parents didn't really care about it. So why should I?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, we don't want that happening.
0: So uh, do not neglect uh, that side of it. Yep, yeah, the Bible says, "Train a child in the way in the way he should go, and when he's old, he shouldn't he will not depart from it." So yeah. those building blocks are set at a very young age, and I think even just taking your kids to church is a step that's absolutely a step. And, and and you know, honestly, that's that's where we've been at times. And my wife, bless her, I love her love her dearly because she's the one that's like, "Hey, I know we've been focused a lot on sports here lately. Let's." Let's make sure that we're getting yeah. the Bible still in, and let's make sure. So there's times where I can get hyper focused on this one thing, and as men, we tend to do that. We get focused on on this new thing that we're learning or this 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 project that we've got going on, and we tend to lose a lot of the peripheral things. And that's why that's what wives and and good yeah. godly wives are, are so important is because they can kind of pull our focus. Like, hey, hey, don't don't forget this part too. And I think that that is a part that yeah, we absolutely thought, should
1: forget. Probably the last eight or 10 months or so with me and my wife, we've talked about it a lot and it's real easy on Sundays to get wrapped up and all kinds of other stuff going mm-hmm. on. And we've tried to move more towards, you know, treating it like a Sabbath, you know, it is one of the 10 commandments. If in case you have forgotten yeah, is to keep the Sabbath like, well, okay. <laughs> so what does that mean? We're going to take one of our days off and just sit around and do nothing. Like, well, not exactly but you shouldn't be so filled with all kinds of work and jobs and chores that we're so busy that you know we can't be a family you know anymore so we've really tried to focus more in the last year of trying to set aside more time on Sundays like let's just be a family let's hang out with each other and we can you know it doesn't mean we just sit there and stare at the wall but it means we are together as a family and we're not engage as much as in a, in a certain thing. We're just enjoying each other's company and relaxing and, and, uh, not trying to, you know, it doesn't, so that's code for don't mow the yard for five hours (laughs) That's code for, you know, we're not painting the house for four hours. You know, we're trying to just do things, do things together as a family.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, and I think that one of the big things that we think of when we hear that that commandment is we think remember the Sabbath to keep it holy it doesn't say keep the Sabbath lazy it says keep it holy so I think that that what that means is keep it Christ-centered focused on the things that matter your family matters so focus on your family in that day whatever that looks like have that time to bond together and to put all of the things outside from outside the world away And say, okay. it doesn't mean you can't go
1: to your kid's baseball game on a Sunday, but it means you probably shouldn't get your laptop out and try and, you know, do 15 TPS reports
0: (laughs) with the new cover sheets. Yeah,
1: absolutely. (laughs) You know, Terry Tate is going to make you put cover sheets on there. (laughs) But, uh, you know, so be present, be you know, with your family and uh, and focus on that. Yep.
0: Well, I think that this has been a phenomenal conversation and I would like to close out by leaving a little word of encouragement for the men out there who may be, maybe you've been that passive or maybe you've been that tyrant in your family. And I want to call you guys to be engaged because it's going to take a whole lot of us stepping up to the plate and focusing on leading our families well, focusing on following Christ and our families following us as we follow Christ. And I think that that is the most important thing to to turn culture around, to change the outlook of what we're looking at. And that freight train coming down the, down the tracks. I think that we have a duty and a commission from God to not be lazy, to not be passive, but to take that by the horns and lead our families well. So, I want to leave you guys with that, and we thank you guys, all of you guys that have been tuning in on a regular basis. We we are beyond overjoyed that you guys continue to uh, consume our content, and we've got a lot more on the way. And I hope that uh, you guys will come out to some of our trainings that are coming up because we're gonna do we're gonna do it a little bit different than what we do on on a normal you know tactical training. We're gonna in, infuse some of this stuff, some of these lessons, some of these some of these things that matter um, in these situations. Uh, Don't forget to follow our social medias, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Until then, carry Jesus wherever you go and act like you believe. Have a good one, guys.